Welcome to Coffee and Change, a podcast where we talk about change in our lives, our work, and our world, and how we're managing it. On this episode of Coffee and Change, I interview Catherine Sherlock, whose work focuses on elevating the leadership conversation and transforming leadership from the inside out. Catherine's work at HigherMindfulness.com centers around leadership actualization, unlocking innate creativity, understanding leadership intuition, and emotional intelligence. Catherine also focuses on what she calls disrupting mindfulness and meditation with her knowledge of peak experiences and altered states of consciousness. Catherine and I spoke just moments after the national emergency was issued across the United States for the COVID-19 healthcare crisis. I don't know. What are your thoughts on maybe just structuring the conversation just kind of based on where we're at right now and just seeing that? I don't know if you if there's things you'd like to, you know, hit on or focus on, but I just wanted to just open that up and see. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I have, you know, I, I am seeing like the anxiety out there and um, they're just they're like such high anxiety. And I mean, somebody... Um, I just got a, a newsletter or kind of a newsletter email from somebody um, who does podcasts, uh, Steve mm-hmm. Olser, Olser, and okay. he was talking about how he just sort of wound himself up into a panic attack mm-hmm. and that he's, he had an event with a bunch of people and they did go ahead and have it, and, um, but the attendance was down and then people were kind of mixed feelings in the, in the room and he identified himself as an empath. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of people are I'm certainly an empath and a lot of people um, are taking that on as well. Like you go out and it's just that heightened anxiety. Yeah. So um, uh, today uh, also on an article, as I was posting on medium, I saw another, somebody else's article on empathy is the, is the new mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's dangerous because, and we can talk about actually why that's dangerous. Sure. Okay. So um, I often do this when we start. Um, Can we take, three deep breaths kind of together, but also in our own time Sure. and kind of uh, picture the space between us. It's like we're mm-hmm. connecting to give, to give to the audience kind of thing. We're connecting in this space, you and I, to, to create something bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. Never said that one before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So uh, loosen up, just loosen, give your body a little shake. I haven't yeah. given my body a little shake for a little while here. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I've been a little, I've been a little, uh, a little tense. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lower my chair to the floor where I can feel my feet on the floor. Um, and I think that'll help me in loosening up a little bit. Get your shoulders, uh, bring your shoulders back down from your ears. Exactly. (laughs) Right. I'm going to do that. Let my feet feel the floor. All right. Okay. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to do three breaths. Okay. At this part of the interview, Catherine led me through a simple but effective grounding exercise which helped us frame the rest of our conversation. Okay, wonderful. And then smile at the space between us. So then, as Catherine suggested, I smiled. And I realized I hadn't really done much of it on that day. I'm already smiling. It <laughs> Good. feels so different. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to start. It really is. Oh, I man, do this every time because so people good. are, you know, you're scrambling to get all the video stuff set up too and all yeah. the audio stuff. And then you, go, you sit down, you're like, what? So yeah. Wow. 
like I can feel it in my temples. <laughs> it feels so different. <laughs> well, it's also a way of creating rapport between us, right? Because we need yeah. to have that connection to be, take that bigger, you know, message out there, right? So. Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> well, um, how, about, how about we get started? How's that? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background. Thanks, Bill. Um, thanks for having me on the on your podcast. It's wonderful to be here. So, You're very welcome. Thank you. So my background is pretty mixed, um, but I have a master's in environmental studies, and I was a sustainability and environmental consultant for many years. And I had a real passion for it, but I also felt like uh, it was like I couldn't reach the depth of transformation and change that I wanted to having that conversation with people and it also felt like I had my life in two different places I had my personal life and my professional life and when things started to change in life as they often do at some point um, the mindfulness came up and I realized oh I I have um, this is a natural for me I know this in its inside out and then it almost became what I was originally presenting became boring to me because um, my ideas of mindfulness are kind of like next next level mindfulness because I've studied it a lot and um, and outside the kind of version the corporate version of mindfulness or the common one that's out there um, and so but I also realized that I think that we make a better shift for change when we start from the inside out and a lot of leadership is taught from the outside in. Right. And that just creates a, a, a fracture within ourselves. It makes us feel inauthentic and um, like imposters. And it sets us up to kind of battle against ourselves. Yeah, I, I, it resonates a lot um, with me. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that as you described, and I think I did some of the research on, um, on your website, you know, you talked about having a foot in two worlds um, yes. and what that was like. And so I'm, I'm curious, you know, if, if we may start here, um, that aspect of, of having your foot in, in two worlds or, or, or many worlds, you've, you've got a background of serving in government and business, large to small and nonprofits and um, other agencies. And I think when here we are talking today on you know, March 13th, there's a lot of change that's happening across all of those, um, all of those places, um, given the COVID-19, you know, global pandemic crisis that we're in. And so, you know, what, what really strikes me as, as, as people, you know, we're talking to me today um, in businesses and clients and colleagues, I think a lot of people are struggling right now with, um, all the information that's coming from all of these different places and people do feel like they have to be negotiating and balancing information that is coming from governments and businesses and nonprofits and other agencies and then their own family life and their personal life. So I know it seems like a really big place to start, but I think it's timely. Um, how, how, how are you doing in all of this? What are, what are some of the things you're seeing when you think about, the change that's literally with us right now? Well, there are about a dozen different places I can jump into on that question. Um, yeah. So I, I take it back to a broad place and then we can kind of go 
more specific as as our, or as need be. Sure. But from a broad space, I talk a lot about elevating the leadership conversation. And that's to do with, um, I, I talk about four different areas, kind of bringing these four different areas together. And so it's the usual thing of, you know, one of those areas is needing to deal with your daily responsibilities and challenges, you know, that we all have to do in, in business and in the home and balancing that. So that's one piece. And then there's the piece of the relationships, you know, really having um, good relationships and relationships that grow. But then there's also the piece of, of growing as a person, of becoming an actualized leader, um, you know, really growing deeper into yourself and deeper into your self-expression and your expression of your gifts. And then there's the, the last piece, which I think is having the space to explore the mystery and awe of what this life is. And I think that's a piece that gets left out of the conversation, right? right? And Absolutely. yet these are the things that matter the most. So we are so much in overwhelm that we are not having, our focus is in the wrong place. Our focus is not on what matters most in life. And I think right now, with what's going on, it's even more important to pull back to what's important in life. It's like, you know, with everything shutting down and changing, it's almost like we're given space at this moment to, mm -hmm. to pull back and to pull in and to go, you know, it to, to have more time for reflection and more time for connection with ourselves and others. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. And I think I read recently there was an article that was penned by Josh Burson, who is kind of a luminary in the HR space. And it was a little controversial, but it talked about this aspect of with everything that's going on, um, it is a reminder that we need to slow down and that we do need to um, understand within and before we can really understand um, without. And so I'd love to dig in a little bit when you talk about that aspect of people understanding, you know, kind of leadership from the inside out. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to misrepresent here, but I think when you were talking, I definitely felt that tension. I felt the physical tension as you described where people may not want to explore within and understand the mystery within because it's a little discomforting. It's a little unsettling. Um, I think maybe because of the way that we've been trained through certain frameworks and mechanisms, um, it is synonymous with, with sort of vulnerability and possibly weakness. Um, is that something that's common that you see when you're talking to people and organizations? And again, I'm just speaking from my own experience because to me, it's a healthy tension. I know it's there. I can be curious about it. Um, I know it's a little bit institutionalized, but um, I'm in a different place. So I'm just curious from the standpoint of, I guess, in your own, your own journey and your journey working with others, is that common where people don't necessarily want to go within because it's a little scary? Yeah, it's absolutely common. Absolutely common. It, it's, it's, it can be very scary. And, but I think that the problem with that not going within or living with that kind of fear of, of that is that you've given your power away. Mm 
and you are living a fear-based life and you're basically fearing something that you don't, don't need to fear. So we can, for example, talk about kind of all the difficult emotions that we tend to suppress and not look at and that we're taught to suppress and not look at, right? We have so many voices in our culture and our society saying, you know, don't, you don't bring that to work. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't basically. And the thing is we do bring that to work because we can't, it's not like we're leaving them behind somewhere. Um, and it's not, it's not those emotions that are the problem. It's the suppression, the suppression of those emotions. That's the problem. And like I said, when you suppress those emotions, um, it, it takes it a massive amount of energy to keep, to keep it down. It's like keeping a beach ball down, uh, keeping a beach ball underwater in a pool. Um, it just takes a massive amount of energy to do that. And you're, you're you have basically disconnected from self because you've decided that this part of you is bad and you've pushed it away and now you've created a disconnect in your psyche. Um, but like you said, people are afraid of them and it, it's a, they're afraid of them partly because we have suppressed so much that it builds up and it often just feels so unwieldy to dive into or to go into, or it can feel like, wow, if I pull out one of those pieces, it's going to be like a volcano going off. Um, and that's not, that's not, I don't think that's true, at least not if you have somebody who can help you through it um, and really help you to learn to, to, to really digest. I call it digesting um, emotions where you actually bring them back in and you become more integrated and you're kind of taking the nutrients from them because all of these emotions, all of them except one, there's only one I can, can't figure out so far, but all of the difficult emotions, they all have purpose and they all lead you to more information about the world and about yourself. And by looking at that stuff, you, you do, you gain wisdom and you also create um, you go from inner turmoil to inner peace. Yeah, I think it's interesting as you described the emotions and and it, one of the things that I think it touches on, at least for me, is when you talked about almost like the there's a self-worth part here that's challenged and I think there's a lot of shame that comes with with this and, and how we carry shame or how we look at shame. Um, and, and if we, if we see it a certain way, you're right, we repress that. Um, but I also think it's the vulnerability part that when we are vulnerable and we are genuine and we share some of those emotions that inevitably somebody else in our ecosystem says, I too am experiencing that, or I can empathize with that. Um, I had a similar experience or, or something. And immediately we go from... I'm very alone in this and I'm carrying it all by myself and I have to hide it to um, feeling a part of something and feeling, feeling seen and witnessed. And I think, at least in my experience, when that happens and that occurs, you get a little bit lighter. Um, I'm, I'm curious your, your thoughts on that. Is that, is that a, I don't want to say accurate because I don't think anything's accurate per se in some of this depiction and, and movement of emotions, but 
is is some of that the mix there that you you think we that we struggle with as as individuals and parts of organizations that are kind of dealing with this? Yes, I, I that's what I've seen for sure. Um, dealing with some of those difficult emotions does make you lighter. Um, you know, I think the key piece also there are a couple key pieces. I think, you know, one is before sharing it outward, you have to be at home inside. You have to get to a place where you're at home inside. And that's, of course, that's a process. That's a lifelong thing to, to go deeper and deeper. But when you get at home inside, then you become uh, unshakable. And it doesn't matter what happens outside. So there are a couple pieces. I mean, there are actually several pieces that I, I talk, I suggest that are key. But, you know, one of those, for example, is purpose. When you um, understand or you explore your purpose in life, then, and you understand it and you're living to, to it, all of a sudden, a lot of other things can fall away. You're not listening to everybody else's voices anymore because you have connected with something deeper. And that guides you. That guides your decision-making. That guides your focus. That guides your idea of success. Um, all those things. So that takes you out of overwhelm. And then the other piece is um, self-compassion. And I don't think we talk about this enough, but self-compassion is really very important in this journey to, to um, you know, there's, there's a ton of talk right now about empathy and compassion in the workplace. Unfortunately, that can create um, not the healthiest situations for people, especially because so many, so many leaders, at least the ones I work with, they're already um, possibly taking over responsibility for others. Um, they may be kind of empaths themselves and taking on, um, you know, if they're feeling responsible for people or they're taking on emotions. At this point in the interview, Catherine and I realized that we'd both been carrying a lot of emotions and empathy throughout the day. So our discussion, we decided to pause and resume after taking a break. You know, as I was kind of visualizing as you were talking about, it's that probably some people who are in leadership um, have... I don't want to say an innate sense of kind of empathy about them, but they do take on things for other people and they want, they want the, the benefit, they want people, other people in their, um, under their watch, if you will, to benefit. So they take on a lot. And it seemed like yeah. these days people are taking on a lot and not leaving room for themselves. Um, and they're probably maybe a little bit confused as to why they're exasperated or, or why it's overwhelming or frankly, what I see a lot of is people struggling with change fatigue. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, you know, I think there, I read an article about there being two different kinds of leaders and one is the kind of leader who's there to serve. And those are the ones that are attracted to, to me and my work um, and working with me. It, the people who, when I ask them what they want, they just want good things for people. They want to be able to lift people up to have them develop their own leadership to, to, you know, to basically actualize themselves. And then there's other ones who are more in it for um, the goodies, the leadership goodies, you know, the, the power or the, 
you know, the money or those kinds of pieces, right? Not that there's anything, there isn't anything wrong with, with any of those things. Um, although I think power, real power comes from inside, inside out. Authentic power comes from inside out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm curious when, um, when you work with people or people who might be in this journey, let's call it a journey for, for lack of a better way of describing it. It can feel very lonely when you do start to look inward and you start to listen to yourself in a way that maybe you haven't in the past because the mechanisms that got you success or the mechanisms and frameworks that got you notoriety were again granted by somebody else or, or something else. And so when you do look within and you start to listen within, it can be a bit of a, a lonely experience. Who do, who do people turn to or how do people turn to someone in that journey? Um, do, you know, do you notice people reaching out to you by word of mouth? Do you notice people kind of Googling things? Obviously it could be probably very overwhelming just to type some of these things in Google and see what comes up. There's no lack of leadership and I say in quotes books. Um, but again, I just don't know if that necessarily fills the hunger that people are starting to realize they have. Yeah, I don't know if this is a conversation that's happening enough around leadership. You know, I think leadership, again, is mostly based on outside in. Um, it's mostly based on things like trait theory, like someone comes up with a list of must-have attributes and they go into an organization and they, you know, teach. Yes, these are, these are the must-have attributes that you must have to be a leader. And so you try to adopt those from the outside in. Um, and this is something this is like you said it's a journey it's a different it's it's looking at life from a bigger perspective um and it's looking at your function and your roles from a bigger perspective and it's questioning a lot of the things that a lot of those roles it's, it's questioning those roles it's questioning i mean we have a lot of ideas of uh, who leaders should be what they should look like and that often keeps us limited. So it's questioning all these pieces. Um, I think that during the transition, it, it can be lonely and it can be lonely until you find other people um, to have these conversations with so that you're, you know, so that you're regularly in that conversation, um, that you, you know you're not alone. Um, it can be lonely if you're not practicing self-compassion because you end up bashing yourself a lot. And one of the aspects of self-compassion is you really recognize that a lot of these things, you know, when you're feeling shame or you're feeling any of those things, they are common human experiences. And they're not, it's not you alone experiencing these things. It's common. And so it's just about finding the right tools and the right support to move to the places that you want to go. And then for me, for me, there's a connection to something greater than myself. And that can come in a lot of different ways. Um, that can come, you know, from one, uh, from one end of the spectrum, from finding purpose. That's something bigger than yourself. For me, there's definitely an element of spirituality. And there's an element of uh, greater consciousness. Though that's why I also, you know, pull in brain states when I'm working 
um, meditation, but but understanding that there are different brain states that you can access. Um, there are different, there's ways to access the subconscious, there's ways to access consciousness that's greater than your daily consciousness. And I, I think a lot of that is an area where if you connect to that and you practice that, um, that will bring you into greater alignment and it will make you feel less lonely. Yeah, I think it's, it's um, I'm so encouraged by what you say because when you talked about the common, it made me think about the importance of community and just finding something that, that you, you share with someone Initially, you may not know that, but you you start to realize that you share something in common. And again, that goes back to the point of you feel less lonely in the world. Therefore, you can, um, you know, relieve yourself of of maybe that that burden a little bit. And then I think the other part that um, that really jumps out to me is the as you talk about the different brain states. And I would love for you to dig in a little bit more on the meditation and mindfulness. I've I've found myself having many more conversations around mindfulness in the workplace and in my own journey, you know, with meditation, it's been about five or six years. It's gone through stages and evolutions. And sometimes people don't like the word meditation. Sometimes they prefer mindfulness. But I think as you talk about brain states and, and how the brain works and um, how we heal, um, I would love to learn a little bit more about you know, your journey and that you said you've been doing it for quite a while. And I think if you have any advice for people that are starting this, because, you know, be it, be it all the change that people are in now, be it the, the, um, the amount that's coming at people, I'm hopeful that, that individuals are starting to do a little bit of research and find out that there's a third way. There's not necessarily the ways that we've been taught to be binarily successful or, or not successful, that there's a third way. And part of that understands, you know, your brain and, and how to work it. So I would love for you to share a little bit, maybe in your own journey of mindfulness and meditation. And then for those that are curious and starting this journey, um, how might they, what advice would you have or guidance um, for them to explore? Yeah, again, there's like a dozen different jumping off points for there from there. But so one of the things is, you know, I didn't come through the through mindfulness, it wasn't called mindfulness. Um, you know, that was mindfulness started from um, what's his name, John Kabat-Zinn, who took what he was what he was learning from a teacher and applied it actually to pain management. So it was, he was trying to help people who were in chronic pain. And that's where it started from. So he, he, he took his practice and he secular, sec, secularized it um, and taught it. And there was good and bad about that. I mean, the good about that is that it has spread, you know, it, it, it gave, uh, it spread like wildfire and it, fire and it gave access to audiences that probably wouldn't have looked at it otherwise. But I think that there was something lost in that, um, that when it's part of kind of a bigger conversation, there's a juiciness to it. There's a transformational power that has gotten lost in mindfulness. Um, I also think that it's really important to recognize that mindfulness is very much an umbrella term. And there are a lot of different meditation practices. And when you're looking at them, and you're looking at the, you know, all the um, research that's be, 
about how, how beneficial they are. What's happened is they're taking all these different practices and each of them has their kind of their benefits and their limitations and they're taking all the benefits from all the practices and, and saying this is, this is what meditation gives you and that's not necessarily true. So I'm a big believer in starting from your goals and your aspirations, what you, where your challenges are, what you want to, what you want in this life and starting from there and then working backwards to a practice. Um, the most common practice is meditation on the breath. And for me, again, if we talk about brain states, um, you know, beta is the state where you're kind of the state we're in now. Anytime you're doing a task or anything, you're in beta. And when your brain slows down a little bit, it goes into alpha. That's normally where you get to when you do meditation on the breath. Now, meditation on the breath is very good for um, focus, for teaching you focus. But for example, it's not a good meditation to teach you creativity. Um, it's not necessarily a good meditation to to kind of connect you to something greater than yourself. And I've, I know many people I've talked to who have struggled with that meditation, um, especially if you're anxious, because it can be a very mental meditation that becomes, um, yeah, becomes, again, that control. If you're coming from that kind of fear-based place, then it becomes control. And that's a bit of, bit of the issue I have, or one of the many issues I have with this idea of being in the present, um, because it can be, this idea of of control it's a fear-based thing it's like i have to be in the present and people are working that way and then they actually end up with fractured consciousness um, they end up limiting their own access to wisdom um, and they end yeah it's hard to it, there's a lot about it to explain but um no i think that you did you did a you did a great job of even conveying you know that aspect of control because i i agree the aspect of and i've i've spoken to a number of people that have inquired just you know what are the benefits how do you do it but that concept of being in the present um can can give people anxiety you're right because they feel like they have to reach something or achieve something or am i in the present am i not in the present am i and and it is it can be a bit of a um anxiety inducing um, exercise for some people um, because it's, it's, it feels like another thing I have to do right. Yeah, exactly. And it's not, you know, the other thing is being in the present isn't possible. Our, our consciousness is so complex. I mean, are you going to be in the present in your beta state? Or are you going to be in the present in your theta state? You know, are you going to be in the present in your body? Are you going to be in the present in a conversation? It's, it's like, you can't be present to all those realities at one time. Um, and even the idea of trying to be in the present, you know, if, like I was thinking today at lunch as I was chopping up veggies and uh, thinking, you know, if I was being so-called mindful at this moment, I would be focused on, you know, the knife chopping through the veggies and all that, you know, the whole experience of that. But that's not what I was doing. I was letting my mind wander. And that's when I write, that's when I come up with my, uh, article topics actually, right. <laughs> you know, right. right? Yeah. And if I, if I was being mindful, I would, I would be cutting off that. I would be cutting off that actually daydream space that is so essential for our brain health. 
um, is so essential for our brain health. And so that we've, we've, with the technology, we've really lost that because now when we're bored, instead of just our brain relaxing and letting go and daydreaming and going into deeper or slower brain state or a faster gamma brain state, we, we pick up our phone and we begin to look up something. And what we're really doing is connecting to other people's opinions through our phone, as opposed to listening to our own self. So we're becoming increasingly disconnected from ourselves. Which goes back to your point around, you know, when people, people unknowingly resist going within, you're right, we, we, reach for, we reach for the opinions of others. We reach for information. We reach for validation. We reach for confirmation. Um, and, and I would argue that in those moments, we, we may or may not know that we're running away from doing what you're talking about, which is going within, making space for wonderment and wandering in your brain and doing some daydreaming, some unstructured um, thinking. Uh, and, I, and I also, you're right, I think sometimes technology gets in the way and even in the state we're in talking today, right? There's a lot of information coming at us from all different sources. And it may be easier to wait for or hold on to another breaking news item than stopping and thinking, what would I do in a situation um, where I have to deal with loss or grief or somebody near to me who's, you know, sick or ill or um, all of these things. Um, it, it's a lot. It's a lot for anyone to process. Um, and, and so you're right. I think sometimes we, we surround ourselves with things that are going to give us assurance, but maybe not that fulfillment and that closer to purpose that you're, that you're describing. Yeah. And then we end up in increasing overwhelm and overwhelm. Cause it's like all these, all these, all those things you push to the background are still in the background. There's like this vibrating noise in the background all the time. Right. And it gets, it gets just louder and louder and louder until there's a breaking point. And so you're just, that's why people are in overwhelm. And I think this whole journey is about moving from overwhelm into empowerment. In fact, that's what I talk about being the greatest gift that a leader can give their people is to teach them how to go from overwhelm to empowerment. Yeah. And I think that would be, I think everyone presently before and afterwards uh, would really grab grab the opportunity for that to go from overwhelm to empowerment um is as you think about you know specifically i'm going to give you some specific examples just just from today right we've got a lot of people around the, around the the world are having to do things like suddenly you have to work virtually you know you may have you may have been in a workforce or you may have communicated with people in person depending on what you do and depending on your situation all of a sudden people are asked to stay home, work from home. That can be really unsettling and people are trying to figure out, figure that out while also, you know, taking in information and trying to understand <laughs> what to convey and how to set things up and how to sound on conference calls or how to sound or look on virtual, you know, uh, calls with cameras. Um, in that example, because that's happening real time right now for hundreds of thousands, if not more people, how do people move from overwhelm to empowerment in that? 
Um, you know, one of the elements on that's been researched on motivation is around play, the idea of play and having um, play in your life and play in the workforce. And that actually increases, that actually solves a whole bunch of problems, a whole litany of problems that go on in the workplace. So I think looking at it as not as this is a scary, um, difficult situation. I mean, I don't mean push all that away, but I mean, um, how can you turn into more play? Like, how can this be, you know, it's like when you're with kids and you go, they're facing something frightening, scary, and they're finding it scary and you can turn it into an adventure for them. It's the way you present it, right? It's, this can be an adventure to learn something new to, to, um, how can I introduce more play into this situation? Those kinds of things that how can this be, how can I get something new out of this? It may be not what I chose, what I would choose to have happen, but what can I learn from this? Or what can I get from this that I wouldn't have otherwise? That's a great, that's a great reminder. Um, it's something that really resonates with me because last, just last week, right? It seems like ages ago, just last week, but uh, I was in a workshop and, um, it's, a, it's along similar veins. One of the things I expressed to people was the importance of sometimes viewing the world with childlike eyes or through the eyes of a child. And I love that aspect of, um, you know, approach something with, with um, the spirit of play in mind because it brings on curiosity. It brings on creativity. It, it also brings you a lot of grace and some space that we're going to like we're going to learn some stuff. We're going to trip up. We're going to fall, but it's going to be an adventure. We're in it together. What are we going to learn on the other side of it? And I was reminding some people I was working with that, you know, when you're, in, when you travel a lot, you go on planes and um, as a business, as a business traveler, I know it can sometimes be, you know, you get frustrated and you see um, that people maybe aren't as familiar with, you know, traveling every single day and you have it down as a routine. And so I sometimes remind people, you know, those moments when the young child, maybe two or three or four comes down the aisle for, of the plane for the first time. And you see them with their eyes wide open, look at that. And they're counting the numbers and seeing the seats. And, and in those moments, you kind of get this little, you get a little dose of joy and you remember what it was like the first time that you were on a plane and, and you, you looked out the window and you saw the world, you know, getting distant from you and what that was like. Um, and so I think your, your advice is so spot on the aspect of play and curiosity and gracefulness in this is something that I think would be really helpful for people as they try these new things, right? As they try being a virtual workforce, as they try being remote, um, working from home, um, setting up a space or even trying to connect with people virtually, um, play, be playful with it. And um, we'll see what we learn. Yeah. How can you make it fun? And the mm -hmm. thing about play is that there's no failure in play, right? Because right. you're just playing. So yeah. there's, you can't fail. No, there's no winning, right? Like there's no, you win, I lose. It's we're, we're, we're playing and we're discovering. It's, it's like pioneering. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that's really, really helpful and, and really wise. As, as we get ready to wrap up here, um, Catherine, I would love for you to share with folks how they can get in touch with you, find out more about you, um, read some of the things you're writing about. I so appreciate the things that you've shared on LinkedIn. I know we kind of connected through that space. Um, 
I would love for other folks to, to connect with some of your thought leadership. How can they find out about you? Where, where can they turn to, to, to learn more and, and benefit from some of this uh, thought leadership? Um, you can find me on HireMindfulness.com. That's my website. And then, of course, on LinkedIn, you can connect me connect to Catherine Sherlock. It's Sherlock like in Holmes. Um, and I publish, I publish and I post on there. Um, and those are probably the best. I have, a, a of course, on Twitter, the usual things, Twitter and Facebook. But the, my primary ones, and I publish sometimes on Medium. Um, but the primary one is the website, uh, HireMindfulness.com and on LinkedIn. Thank you so much, Catherine. I really do appreciate your time. I'm so glad that, that through, the, uh, through the ecosystem and the, and the play, right, of, of, of LinkedIn, of trying things and posting things that we connected. Um, and thank you for your insight and sharing. I hope, you know, I hope this discussion and, and this time helps people um, maybe explore a little bit more and be, be self-compassionate and um, do a little bit more of that looking inward and discovering things like different brain states and alpha, beta, theta, and, and, and what those things are. So thank you so much for your time. And um, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Bill. I appreciate having the conversation. Yeah, I look forward to, to hearing more. And who knows, if we'll, we'll, we'll maybe connect in the future and go even deeper. Sounds good. Sounds like fun. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you.